0: welcome to we go there i'm lexi and i'm nikki and our favorite conversations are when someone starts by saying this might be tmi but but hey we go there because there's no such thing as having too much information when it comes to your health and wellness we dive deep into topics interview experts and get answers you need because knowledge is power and feeling empowered is what we're all about so let's go there
1: Welcome to We Go There. I'm very excited because I have um, a friend here today, Tia, who's actually part of our coaching program and uh, Nikki and I can't wait to chat with Tia because Tia um, is a parenting coach, teacher, business owner, and best-selling author. But most importantly, she's a mom and I love Tia's approach to parenting because She approaches it with um, this parenting with purpose method. So it's all about how do we parent without the yelling, the anger, the guilt, the guilt, the guilt. Mm. (laughs) Um, And I think the best thing we can do is dive right into this um, because... Everyone, I mean, I don't know. This is this is like a unlocking uh, a big a big piece of motherhood for me. So uh,
2: I can't wait to start chatting with you, Tia. Welcome. Yeah, thank you for having me. We've got lots to talk about. We'll get to it absolutely as much as we can. Amazing. Oh, and sorry, I just realized I uh,
1: forgot to set our timer. <laughs> Nikki and I like to run over board, so we now control ourselves with a timer.
2: Right. I use a timer. I use a timer with my kids and I recommend my ki- my clients use timers all the time. So timers are a good thing. Okay,
1: timers. Yes. We start there.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's so many things that we want to talk about when it comes to parenting with purpose. The idea is that parenting really doesn't need to be a battle, but so often we're parenting from our intuition, the way we were raised, maybe we liked part of the way we were raised, maybe we didn't like parts of it, maybe we told ourselves we were never going to, you know, repeat the things that our parents did, but here we are repeating those same things and feeling guilty as you mentioned for doing that. And so what what I really want to help parents with is giving them tools, strategies, things they can implement that actually make sense mm-hmm. so that we can break those generational cycles and timers, is a, a, those are one of those really effective tools that you can use in many, many areas from getting out of the house in the morning, sharing, screen time, meal times, potty training, like the sky's really the limit. Um, so we can talk about examples for that if that's of interest.
1: Yeah, I Absolutely. found ti- timers really effective. Um, with Specifically with Piper, it's funny, and Adam and I just talked about the other day because we haven't had to use them as much with Clark, like other than before bedtime, it's like three more minutes sort of thing. But with Piper, she used to have meltdowns when we'd leave the park, when we'd leave, like anywhere we would leave, it would be a really challenging time getting her out of there. And Nikki, have you used, have you done like a timer approach before?
3: No, it's very ad hoc, but I've noticed that it's. It has helped. It's almost like, it's almost like a third party telling them it's time to go. Oh, hear the alarm. Like it's, it feels like it's not coming from me anymore. And so they're more apt to listen because it's like a, it's the, the phone that's beeping. That's telling them like the timer's going off and now you have to listen.
2: Yeah, the the timer actually becomes the boss. So typically parents get stuck in this kind of nagging, reminding cycle where we keep coming back in. Why aren't you dressed yet? I told you we're leaving. We said two more minutes. It's been two more minutes. And we just get into this negative cycle where our kids aren't really listening to us anyway. And when you bring a timer in, one, it becomes the boss and it does the work for you. But two, it's actually helping you set a boundary. And boundaries are one of those areas where parents really struggle because we don't want to see our kids upset. We're not sure how to set age-appropriate boundaries. We're not sure how to follow through in the most effective way. So our boundaries go a little bit gray. Whereas when you set a timer, um, your kids really know in advance, okay, when that timer goes off, the boundary is we are leaving the park. Whereas too often our words as parents, we give in sometimes, we give multiple chances, and our words don't have a lot of concrete meaning until we learn the skills to really parent in a you know purposeful way, way consistently. And I really recommend this time tracker timer. I, I talk about it all the time. A lot of times parents will use phones, but part of the negative connotation of phones is that we don't pay attention to our kids when our phones are around. And so the phone almost can set your child off from the beginning. Having them feel like it's going to be a distraction for their time or attention or you're going to get distracted from them. So this time tracker timer, there's a link in my Instagram bio for parents if they're interested. But the reason I like it is that it gives them a visual cue and an audio cue. But the best part is it has two dials when you set it. It has a green dial. So let's say you're going to leave the park in 10 minutes and you're not going to carry this to the park. So we would use an at-home example. I'm not going to ask you to carry this to the park. (laughs) You're going to use your phone at the park. But when you're at home, let's say you're getting ready to turn the screens off in 10 minutes and it's time to get ready for bed or whatever you're going to move to and transition because that's the trouble there. The kids are worried about the transition. They're struggling with the transition. So you're going to set the timer for 10 minutes on the green dial. And then on the yellow dial, you're going to set it for five minutes. So when there's five minutes left, It's going to go from green to yellow. It's going to beep. And they're going to say, oh, gosh, it's yellow. I know my time is coming to an end. I'm going to need to turn the TV off soon. I need to start preparing myself. Instead of you coming back in and saying two more minutes, one more minute, I already told you, this way, when it goes yellow, they're getting ready, they're preparing. And then when the timer's up, it beeps and goes red. The great part about this is you can continue to set your boundary when it goes red by letting them know in advance. When the timer turns red, the TV goes off. Either the TV goes off when the timer goes red, or you're telling me that tomorrow you'd like to skip your turn. You decide what works for you. And now you're giving them a boundary. You're giving them the consequence upfront in advance. Instead of you calling all the shots, you're putting the ball in their court so they can choose to make decisions that work for them or not. So the timer, as little as it might be, really does a number of things for parents.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. And one of the things that I thought, and I'm happy that, you know, we still implement it today, Nikki, in our podcast. <laughs> How great is that? But um, I love that. And um, one of the things I find I, that is challenging, and you mentioned it there at the end. So putting the ball in their court. Mm-hmm. When is, because recently I found, I really try and allow like decisions to be made. So for Piper, for example, Um, the other night we were away and it was a decision we we did one night. It was amazing in a hotel. And then the next night we were staying with my brother and sister-in-law and she had two options of where she could sleep. And so I was putting the ball in her court and I was allowing her to be, you know, empowered in making the decision. She was exhausted. Like ultimately she really wanted me, I guess, to make the decision, but then she almost gets paralyzed in this decision making. Like, are there times where you should be you know empowering, allowing them to make those decisions. And are there times where it can just be a bit too much? And how do yeah. we then I find it then ends in a in in you know a massive meltdown? Um even if I take over and say, okay, fine, I'll make the decision for you. And then I make it. So what are like I found that challenging quite challenging recently. What are the ways to navigate those types of like wanting to empower your kid about making decisions, but also, um, having challenges with that, I guess.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So the key is really being proactive in your parenting. And what I help clients do is really learn to check off what we refer to as the behavior needs roadmap. So every child's born with this roadmap And in that roadmap, we have three core areas. We've got the basic needs, which is the sleep, nutrition, security, security being struggling with transitions, worry, things changing in their life, new siblings coming, new teacher moving parents traveling, whatever the case may be. And then we have our emotional needs, which are the power and attention buckets. And so when we're looking at choices, um, being an opportunity for kids to fill those power buckets, they absolutely are. Um, we, the more choice we give, the more power we build, the more we help them with decision-making skills. So every time you give your child a choice, whether it's the blue cup or the green cup, it seems quite trivial, But you're actually, one, letting them know you care about what their feelings are, what their opinions are. You're not calling all the shots. But also at a deeper level, every single time you give your child a choice they have to make a decision and making a decision, as you mentioned, can sometimes be overwhelming. They start to worry, am I making the right decision? Is this going to be what I'm happy with? What if I regret my decision? We still do this as adults. What Should I join this business course or not? I don't know. Like we get stuck on the fence as well. And so what we want to do is give them opportunities to make those decisions and choices, but also look at that roadmap and know as a parent. Hmm, my child's a little overtired now might not be the right time. My biggest goal right now is just get my child to bed. What can I do to make sure that sleep box is checked? Because as soon as our child is overtired, that is where you're going to see those meltdowns come up. So I think becoming more aware of when is the opportune time to ask those choices, give those choices and ask those questions. And when is it like, okay, ball's in my court. I just need to check off those boxes because we don't need to prolong this any longer.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense, and I know when the twins were born, it was I was told by um, a friend of mine, you know, a, like limit the number of decisions for her for that period of time because change is hard, and, and already there was like so much coming her way, and it was resulting in a lot of meltdowns. So that's yeah, I like that.
2: Yeah, and and Nikki, how old are your kids? The same as Clark, and okay, uh, so they're they're five oh. and. Okay. Okay. So you're struggling probably the same thing seeing that they power struggle back and you're not sure when to give choice and
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean it's it's uh I'm just trying to think. I think for me it's definitely one thing that I have learned, I will say, in, in large part because of the amazing conversations we have on this podcast <laughs> is the sort of repair. So, you know, whatever, you know, like my son, like he just turned three, and he's definitely. I'm like, what is going on? Like, what is it about three that's harder than two? Like, is this well,
1: everyone says terrible twos, and I, it is not <laughs> true. It's it is true. three, and just because it's like doesn't sound as good, I don't know. Terrible
2: threes, like no, it's terrible two. No, it's terrible three. I think I think that the, the coin term is the three majors. Is is uh, the term yes. that that we that we often use? Oh, yeah. <laughs> But the cool thing is, is with your parenting tactics, when you get them all into a rhythm, you actually don't have terrible twos or three or awful teen years. Like those are just, those are just forms of communication that your kids are trying to say to you, like, Hey, you need to fix some things here, mom and dad, because it's not working for me.
3: It's, it's funny. Like, I I wouldn't call it funny, but, um, Gabrielle, my five-year-old, she's in JK. She came home the other day and, um she was in the car seat. I'm about to take her out. And she didn't want to get out. Normally she does and I'm like, and she starts crying. And I was like, are you okay? Like what? She's like, something bad happened at school. And I don't want to tell you, I don't want you to yell at me. Mm. And I was like, immediately like, Honey, I am never gonna yell at you if you tell me what happened. I promise you oh, you're not in trouble. Like, I'm like, oh shit, because I want to start making mm. our conversation safe, right? Like, especially mm. when she's older, right? Like, there's a yes. safety component. And so I was like, and this happened a couple of days ago. And I'm like, Oh, you know, immediately, like, I promise you, Pinky Swear, I'm not gonna get upset. Like, I'm just trying to, you know, it convince her to, to share with me and be as gentle as possible. And and she's like, Well, you know, some girl at school took my my glue and i accidentally opened my mouth and bit her <laughs> <laughs> it was like
0: she's not, a biter.
3: she's not a biter and i was like yeah so w- what happened like i'm just trying to get more of the story at this point you know i'm just like so what happened like did did the teacher because get- normally you would get like an email from the teacher or something right i didn't get one and i'm like did the teacher know and she's like yeah madame Bo- it's just french school and madame Boyle knows and i said okay you know is this a friend of yours? Yeah, but I don't think she's my friend anymore. Like, she's just so upset, right? And and I was like, well, you know, I'm like, what do I say? Like, this is a hard moment. What do you say in this moment? So I was like, I understand you were really upset that she took your glue and you really weren't finished with it, right? She's like, no. And I'm like, but we can't bite people. Even if you didn't mean it, you know, you got really angry. I'm trying to narrate the experience for her Mm. and validate it. Uh-huh. But also, and not get mad, but also kind of ignore, like, like say, so we know that biting is not good, right? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, okay. So are we gonna do that again? She's like, no. yeah. Like, please, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, okay, you know. And then she was, she was fine, but it was that. I'm like, God, I hope we never lose this in the sense of like something that she feels shame over but she still told me and I'm like, mm-hmm. and I, I was like, God, I better not freaking get mad at all. Cause then I'm shutting this down. She's never gonna tell me anything ever
2: again yeah. in the future. Right. Yeah. And that's, and that's so true. Like what happens is we usually get caught in those punishment cycles. Cause that's how we were, we were raised or, Parents, we did it because they said so. We listened because they were the adults. They paid for our house, so we better do what they tell us to do. And we feared getting in trouble. We didn't want to get in trouble, so you would hide or lie or sneak or do whatever you could to avoid the wrath of of mom or dad. And so what we want to do now is really let our kids know that they are going to have consequences. Life isn't always going to be easy. There are going to be life lessons, but we're always going to be there to support them. Like we are going to be predictable in that we're going to show up to support them. It doesn't mean that they're not there's not going to be a consequence, but we're going to be the person that they can tell without us being unpredictable and sometimes yelling and sometimes losing our mind because that's where they're going to hide and sneak and, and really fear that. So what you did in that moment, Nikki, was you did just naturally, which is awesome, we do what I call the stop, listen, and respond. And so in a moment when something happens... We want to just like literally like imagine just like putting your hand up and being like, stop. I'm just going to stop for a second because a lot of times we let our reactions come out first and then our emotions and then we're parenting in a way we don't want to parent. So we're going to stop and we're going to like just pause and think about what's happening in the moment. So my child just bit somebody you're thinking, holy shit, I just really don't want my kids biting people at school. This is not cool, but you're going to stop and just think about it because yelling is only going to make it worse and it's only going to shut her down. And then we're going to, you know, listen to what's happening. And when you listen, part of that is just validating her feelings. It's not telling her what to do. It's not giving all of this like peanuts, want, 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 going on and on and on, but validating. So I'm sure that was really frustrating when you lost, when you, when she took your glue. Um, I'm sure that you felt really sad about that. You felt angry, blah, 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 blah. And then we respond. And when we respond, we have two choices. We either respond in the moment because they're calm. And they're ready to have a teachable moment, or they're too upset because it just happened and they're in the heat of the moment. And we're going to wait and we're going to respond when we're ready. So when we validate, we're going to say, I see you're really upset. I'm happy to help you with this. When you're ready, you let me know. Let them have their feelings. Let them cry. Let them scream. Let them be mad. And then you do your responding after. So your responding then can look like, what are some things we can do when we feel frustrated at school? Can we squeeze our hands together really tight and take a deep breath? Can we go and ask the teacher for some support? Could we ask our friend first if she can pass the glue back? And if she doesn't, then we go and get an adult for help. So now we want to work with our kids on conflict resolution skills so that when they are on their own and they do start to have those big feelings, which are all okay to have, how can we self-manage those feelings in a positive way versus a negative way?
3: I, I missed that one.
2: <laughs> you, you pretty much aced it though I had but, but you ago. did great. You stopped. you stopped and you listened and you gave that validation. And now the response doesn't have to be in the moment, like I just said. So you can still go back. Um in the my bio on my Instagram, I have a what's called the Children's Book Corner. Children's books are the most amazing tool ever, and they're divided by sections. So there's hitting, and biting, uh, sibling oh, rivalry, mealtimes, potty training, bedtime, responsibility, feelings, emotions, grief and loss, divorce, separation. Go to the section that you want, and in that section, I have put book recommendations. Amazing. And so all you do is browse, click, ship, or take the topics and go to the library if you don't want to purchase off Amazon. Um, either way is totally fine. But then you're going to grab those books on hitting or biting, uh, feelings, emotions. And then, when it's not in the moment, you know, before bed or when you're having some quiet time, you read those stories, and all of a sudden they're like, wow. Susie got mad and bit somebody. I'm not the only one that made that mistake. I'm not the only one who's learning to manage my feelings. And then you talk about, did you feel like Susie when you were at school? Could you, did you feel like Johnny? Like how, how do you think they felt after? What do you think you could do different? Let's see, let's keep reading and see what Johnny did. And then now they're like, oh, okay, I could do that. And they're relating to the characters and it allows you to teach and train and practice with age-appropriate communication and language without you having to think, how the heck do I talk about these topics? You use children's books.
3: That is amazing. I'm going to immediately go and order (laughs) everything.
1: (laughs) I know. Same. That's so helpful because I always find I'm using words that I'm like, this is not getting across the way I need this to get across. Mm -hmm. Then I'll say a word and I'm like, do you know what that means? She's like, no. No. Sorry, hey. Let me define
3: it. She's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, too bad.
1: Exactly, exactly. Oh my gosh, that's I love that. The parenting books is I mean not parenting books the kids books is key. I'm definitely gonna go there
3: as well. This episode of the We Go There podcast is brought to you by the Bell Method, a fitness company that blends Pilates with pelvic health, creating choreography from science. You might feel overwhelmed at all the abs after baby programs promising to make you bounce back after birth. Or maybe you're feeling unsure of how to exercise in pregnancy and prepare your body for delivery. It can be tough to navigate what information is credible and evidence-based. Women deserve better. I created all of our programs with the guidance of pelvic health physiotherapists and we continue to evolve our programming to stay current with the latest research. At The Bell Method, we ditch guilt and bring balance to our bodies with programs designed to fit your life stage. We'll help you reduce incontinence, diastasis, recti, and prolapse so you feel strong, confident, and empowered throughout pregnancy, postpartum, and beyond. I invite you to enjoy 10% off your first class session with the code There 10 Visit www.thebellmethod.com for more.
1: Um and and then also I guess in that you know I don't know if um Gabrielle's the same Nikki but in that moment it seems like it I I find you know with Piper she's often harder on herself so you don't really want to like there's not the need to
0: add to that Mm
1: -hmm. and then I also find this conflict of is it okay like I approach it very similar um to you Nikki Adam and I both are always like We'll, we will, not get mad at you. Like you can tell us anything and we promise you are not going to get in trouble. And I don't know if that's the right thing, exactly the right thing to say, because what if it is something that's like, I mean, but biting, like she was upset with herself. Like I just, I'm always wondering, is that the right thing to say in providing that safe space? Is there another way to put it?
2: Um, yeah, i try trying to approach it that same way. I try to use the, avoid the word trouble. Yeah, that's the word that our kids know, because kids are going right. to be it says you're going to get in trouble. You're going to get in, I mean, this is the word. These are the words they're hearing, because in a lot of families, that's still the way that parenting goes. Um, so I try and avoid the word trouble and instead let them know that we're all going to make mistakes. Even I make mistakes. I do things that I later regret. I wish I hadn't. I say things I shouldn't have said. And it's not about what we did. It's about how we do better next time. And so I always try and let them know, I'm not going to be mad at a decision you made. You're learning, you're growing, you're trying to figure it all out. But our goal is to then figure out how can we do better next time. And so that's when we look at timeouts. Like a lot of times parents will use timeouts as a form of trying to teach a lesson. And every parent is doing their best. And they're they're doing things because they're trying to teach their kids these lessons so they can be nice humans. It's not because they're trying to be, you know, I don't know if you can swear, but asshole parents, you know. So we're really trying to do the right thing. And so we send our kids to timeout. They, they, you know, hit their brother or sister, or they took a toy and threw it, whatever the case is, go to timeout. You need a minute, sit there. Oftentimes our kids will go and sit, or you have to force them to timeout. Either way, we are overpowering our kids. And we're saying, when you do something that I don't like, I then get to overpower you. What happens is kids go to school when somebody's smaller than them or their size, when they don't like something that happens, they get to overpower them. Why? Because that's what we taught them. So everything we say and do is our in our parenting is a complete direct direct role model to what we're saying our kids should do. So if we're yelling, our kids are going to yell. If we're overpowering, our kids are going to overpower. If we're getting frustrated and aggressive, they're going to get frustrated and aggressive. So when we look at timeouts, we go back to that key factor helping our kids do better next time. We we force our kids to timeout, they sit there. They're in timeout. We're thinking that they're thinking gosh, I really shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have thrown that toy. Next time I'm going to be really calm and I'm going to hold that toy and play with that toy nicely because I don't want to sit here again. That's what we think is happening. But really they're in timeout thinking I can never do anything right. I'm always in trouble. Why don't they love me? I'm in more trouble than my brother or sister. Gosh, I'm just so awful. Like they're not thinking anything about how to do better next time. So we've lost the teachable moment in that we gave them zero skills in timeout to do better. We just taught them that when you do something I don't like, I get to overpower you. You get to feel badly about the decision you made. And then you get up and we hope that you're going to do better. The key is kids will do better when they feel better. And timeouts aren't teaching skills and they're not helping them feel better. Mic drop. (laughs) (laughs) Truly. I know. I get on a tangent and I just go. (laughs) It's great. (laughs)
3: Yeah. The timeouts are a big one. And it's, I mean, we all remember having timeouts
2: for sure. Mm -hmm. Do they still do it in schools? Mm -hmm. most, Most teachers still time out in school. And that's why I want to teach my program to every teacher in this planet, because you don't need to time out your students or your kids.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's obviously challenging when you've got 30 kids in a class and you're trying to manage like a wild card, but yeah, I mean, gosh, that's, that is, there's a lot to be said for that. I'm so this is something that I saw recently, and this is related, but like we're gonna fast forward spaceship into the future here, about how it's so important to not give a smartphone to a kid before the age of 14 for mm-hmm. their brain development. And I'm mm-hmm. like, how the fuck am I gonna manage this? I person? just saw that too. <laughs> because mm-hmm. I'm like, sorry, but like my kid is already like wants to be 14. Like mm-hmm. she's five mm-hmm. going on 15 mm-hmm. and and is you know, I know she's like, there's this one little girl at her school who's like giving, gives her like makeup and lip gloss. And I'm like, what is happening? She's, we're going to the cottage this weekend. She's like, I just can't wait to bring my makeup to the cottage. I'm like, no. like what? So she, I guess the where I'm going with this is I have a feeling she's going to be wanting to be an early adapter of the okay. phone. And okay. I am kind of already like, I got to prepare for this.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's, We always said my boys are 14 and my youngest one is going to be 12 on the 9th of June. So really close. So basically 14 and 12. And I always said to the boys, having a phone is a need to have, not a want to have. Like you need to have the phone, then you'll have the phone. If you want to have the phone, it's not really necessary. So our sort of general guideline was graduation of grade six. And so they were going to be going into middle school. And I will tell you, both of my boys are the last of their grade to have a phone. The that. Uh, uh, oh, oh, no, no. Most kids have it's like eight, isn't it? They're like in grade four with phones. Oh, my yeah. God. So my kids go two extra years without the phone, feeling a little bit left out, feeling a little bit, you know, like an outcast. I had an old phone at home that they could each use when they were on Wi Fi. So when they were in our house, they could do certain things. Uh, social media is a hard stop for us until the legal age, which is 13. I really think that's still way too young. Um, but the problem here is that everybody has it. And so the issue for parents is that you want to hold your guidelines and you want to hold your boundaries because you know it's the safe thing to do. But you also have to find that middle area where they're not a total outcast, where they can communicate with their friends because the way of the world in our mind was that we would go out and bike ride and meet our kids around the block and go to the convenience store and spend $5. The way of the world now is hey, I'm going to text you. Do you want to meet at the golf course? Or I'm going to text you and do you want to do this? Or I'm going to Snapchat you all night long. And this is how we're communicating. So at some point, our brains have to also adjust to this new place, but still keep our kids safe, which is really, really, really hard because there's so much mental health and You know, sadness and anger linked to social media and phones because their brains are not ready for that. They really, really aren't. Um, I noticed the other day there's this, you know, new kind of thing going around called wait till eight. And basically, it's parents like you're with kids your age, um, where you would all come together and you would have to, as parents, say, let's all wait until our kids are in grade eight. Let's wait until grade eight and not everybody's not giving them a phone. The problem is if everybody doesn't do it, everybody is going to do it. And so there's that sort of parental pressure that we have that it all, again, falls in our court. So hard.
0: Mm -hmm. It's
1: It's
2: so hard.
3: You don't want your kid to be like socially because then that's going to cause behavioral problems too, Mm -hmm. right? Because they're going to be like so angry that they are excluded from all these conversations.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I, I always say let's do the best we can. We're not going to change that smartphones aren't around. We're not going to change that technology is really running our world. It's only going to be more and more as they grow. So what can, what can we control? And that's even what I teach my kids and my clients to teach their kids is we can't control other people. We can't control your brothers and sisters. You can't control your friends. You get all the power to control yourself. So as parents, let's control what we can control. So setting really uh, three C's boundaries, concrete, clear, and consistent around when do they use the phones? Where do the phones charge at night? What are the apps they can be on? What happens when those boundaries are pushed at what's that tell them? That they're not allowed to have the phone the next day or whatever your consequences that you've set up in advance. Um my kids plug their phone in downstairs or in my room. They're not in their room at night. Um, my younger one doesn't have social media. I will tell you YouTube is a disaster in itself as well. But and <laughs> control what you can control and what we do, what we call safety checks. So we do a random safety check. And both of my boys know that at any moment in time, it could be in a car ride. It could be while they're on their phone. I could say, Hey, you know what? Let's do a quick safety check. And that means I can check their search history. I can check their texts. I can check what's happening. And that's not because I'm worried they're doing something wrong. It's because I let them know I'm worried that other people might be, and you might be led into a moment where you're not sure how to handle it. And this is so we can talk through those moments. Know, big, big, things big things. Big,
1: big Oh things. my gosh. And and I like the safety check though. And and communicating in that way. Like it's more for your safety, not because you don't trust them. But yeah. the exclusion that can come with not having phone is real. And I I know, you know, examples of friends of mine that have tried to hold off. It's like, it, it is the like, wait till we all need to like come together and every parent agree that like, this isn't, it isn't healthy for kids to get phones before a certain age. Let's all commit to a certain age. And that's really the only way to do it.
2: Yeah. I always wonder if at some point in time, things will get bad enough that it will be like a law that Kids cannot have phones till a certain age. That's that's what I feel it really should be. Uh, there's no harm in having a, a you know a, a smartwatch or something where you could text your mom or dad and say, "Hey, I need a pickup here." Or there there are other ways to communicate besides this massive electronic that has way too many things at their fingertips.
0: Lexi here. Okay, so let's shift to another under the radar, not so hot topic for a minute. Body hair. Everyone's got it, but a lot of us want to live smoother. Am I right? 10 years ago, I started WaxOn Laser and Wax Bar. WaxOn isn't just any waxing and laser hair removal bar. We are the industry leader creating a safe space that inspires people to live confidently in their own skin. Over the years, we've developed trust. Trust that you know you're getting the best quality and comfortable experience every single time. Whatever you come to WaxOn for, it's going to be awesome. Awesome. We've created our own exclusive gold wax formula that's like no other. It's as pain-free and long-lasting as it gets, perfect for all your waxing needs. At WaxOn, we've invested in top the line laser technology that's effective on virtually any hair and skin tone for effective results on every body, seriously. And we carry a carefully curated collection of products. Some we make ourselves, locally I might add, and some are from brands we've fallen in love with that adhere to our values and standards of clean, good for you, and female-founded. If you haven't experienced WaxOn, I invite you to enjoy 20% off your first service with code WEGOTHERE. Visit WaxOn.ca or download the mobile app to book in with code WEGOTHERE because there is such a thing as a better hair removal experience to help you live smoother.
1: Yeah, I was thinking an Apple Watch type thing would be a great solution because the purpose is having a phone so that you can communicate, right? Like so you could walk yourself home from school and be able to Tell someone, but not have like the scrolling capabilities or access to all of
2: the different apps and that was our first step with my youngest Beckett is he we got him an Apple watch that was linked to my older son's phone. And so if he was going to walk home with his cousin or he wanted to stay after for some reason, he could text me. And that was the first step of him kind of having that independence and the stepping stone into the the phone. So we're he only just got his phone a couple of weeks ago, so we're still working out all those kinks. And he's 12, you said? Yeah, he'll be 12 in a week.
3: Mm -hmm. Okay. This is is helpful to talk about, I think. I feel like we need to dive deeper into this because I've made jokes uh, uh, growing up. I didn't get a phone until I was like, university I think <laughs> it was like like a long a I, I didn't like, I didn't have email
2: time. my my freshman year of university yes. I remember going to the computer lab and emailing my parents being like hi mom checking in it's oh my gosh it was like a big fascination we're of the and, same vintage Tia I had a pager oh I had a pager oh yeah <laughs> hit me up
3: Hit me up.
1: Yeah, exactly. I was okay. like, mom, dad, like, it's fine. You can page me, but I need a phone yeah. to call you. No, yeah, <laughs> like, And if I'm in, and I grew up in a small town, if I'm like in a field somewhere, there's no pay phones around. Like this is not effective. So oh, funny, but gosh. yeah, the pager, but, uh, but I, Nikki, one of my best friends didn't have a phone until she she was the only one with a landline in our house that we lived together in in university it was basically her private line she Mm -hmm. didn't have a cell phone all of university basically wow she's like I don't need it people can get a hold of me here like they know my landline nice
3: like you're to be I mean now it's like I kind of romanticize that not being
2: available (laughs) totally I was like she really knew what was up yeah it's awesome freedom. And the things, the things we're doing now, because I know Nikki, you're like, oh my gosh, we got to talk about this because it feels so big and heavy. But the things you're doing now with your, your daily parenting are all the things that are preparing your kids for those next steps. Like you really are paving the way now so that they are ready to handle those things as best they can.
1: Can we talk about the example and you touched on upon it a little bit on Our kids seeing us with our phones, we like really try, like Adam and I really try at night in our like kind of window of five to eight o'clock bedtimes, like to really try and be off of our phones, but we're not always. And it's wild seeing the twins, if they see our phone near us, they think it is like above any toy, they will be lying to it because they obviously think it's important because we're always on it. Mm -hmm. So what are, how... (laughs) How much of an issue is that like, and how important is it that we keep those boundaries? What examples are we showing our children by the amount that we are on our phones and how connected we are to them?
2: Yeah. So again, if you're on your phone all the time, they're on their phone all the time. So when we set boundaries around mealtimes that I want my kid's phone to be over on the kitchen Island, not at the table. So it's not buzzing. It's not distracting. And I also need to put mine over there and getting my husband to put his over there is like pulling teeth, but we need to role model that because if, why are we getting to be the boss to tell them that they don't need to do certain things, but we can have our face in ours whenever we want to. So I think it's really important to set those boundaries. I like that you start to think about, okay, for a certain hour, a couple hours in the evening, we're going to put them away. We're going to silence them. That also shows them that you set boundaries for yourself and that they can set those boundaries for, for themselves as well. Uh, One of the things I recommend parents do as a way to sort of build the bonding connection is golden time. And if anybody's been following me, they know I talk about it all the time. But one of the key ingredients in golden time is to unplug and to put your phone away. And so sometimes we can just be really... As a starting block, we can be really mindful for 10 minutes a day. So doing your golden time with your kids, spending 10 minutes with each child, one-on-one, doing something they love, giving them the choice to choose something that they really want to do with you. It might be putting on the makeup. It might be helping dad shave. It might be making smoothies. It might be playing a game, um, whatever it is, snuggling up and reading, but giving them the power to choose something that they love to share with you unplugging, putting your phone away, and giving that special time a name. Hudson named it Golden Time when he was four. That's what we've called it ever since. Um, But when my kids were younger, Golden Time was an amazing time because they knew we were going to connect. But on top of that, they also knew that they were going to get to take my phone and they were going to get to park it in the designated parking spot, which was our kitchen junk drawer. And they would say, oh, let me park your phone. And what was so exciting about golden time, really half of it was that my phone was going to be gone and there wasn't going to be a distraction of it. And it's amazing to see what an impact it has on your child's behavior when your phone is away. So I really recommend that parents, you know, have a free guide in my link in my bio, if parents want to download that golden time guide, it only takes 10 minutes. It will help fill those power and attention buckets, build your bonding connection, build their independence and responsibility, increase listening and cooperation. It does so, so much, and it takes 10 minutes. Um, and when you really do it in an impactful, intentful way, uh, the results are are yeah, un- unbelievable. So I would really oh, focus okay. on that for, for parents as a way to help you start unplugging, if anything.
1: I love golden time. That's a great. Great lesson that I want to implement for sure. And Tia, I know that we have to wrap up um, because we've taken far too much of your time. You got to get going. But uh, is there anything that you want to like just leave that we didn't touch upon? Uh, And then we'll obviously link everywhere people can find you. And like I said, your Instagram is you offer so many amazing parenting tools within your Instagram and obviously this book nook, uh, piece as well. So, but let us know anything else that you want to mention before we, before we say bye.
2: Yeah. I just want parents not to be hard on themselves. I know it's not easy. You're kind of thrown into it and you're trying to figure it out as you go. But the idea is that it really is a learned skill. And once you take the time to learn the skills They're the same skills you're going to use from here on out. So if you have young kids, if you have teenagers and you're thinking it's too late, it's never too late. But once you have this core kind of framework, you're just rinsing and repeating. And it's so much easier than the battle. And it will build your bonding connection. You'll just feel so much better. Your kids will feel so much better. Um, And it's just an amazing thing once you feel that confidence as a parent. So definitely parents can reach out. They can find me on Instagram, Tia Parenting Coach, my website, TiaSlightum.com. We have lots of workshops. I have my coaching program. We have lots of free stuff that goes on weekly. So don't be afraid to reach out for help. Um, Really, you're empowering yourself and your kids when you do that.
1: Thank you. Thanks so much for coming on and have a great day.
2: Thank you for having me. Thanks.
0: Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for our next episode. And in the meantime, follow us on
3: Instagram at WeGoTherePodcast and check out WeGoTherePodcast.com for more info.